0: Hey, what's up? It's Gustavo Ariano, and you're listening to The Times, Essential News, from the LA Times. Today, episode five of A Line in the Land from our friends at Texas Public Radio and the Houston Chronicle. It's a podcast that explores the human story behind the Haitian immigration journey to the United States. It's Tuesday, August 30th, 2022. After displacement from Haiti, an exodus from South America, and an epic journey through Central America and Mexico, what became of the American dream for these refugees? In this final episode of Line in the Land, Haitians explain where they ended up. By the way, if you haven't listened to the first four episodes, you should go back and do that now. We've been airing episodes from A Line in the Land every Tuesday through August. Today's episode is the last in the series. Hope you enjoyed it.
1: Hey, there are episodes of Line in the Land in English and in Spanish. This is the English version. Para escuchar en español, vuelve al feed para encontrar la versión con el título La Línea.
2: <laughs>
1: the mood was pretty upbeat at the Acuna Migrant Shelter on a sunny November morning. Domingue Paul and his wife, Katsli Fanfan, were lining up to board a bus finally taking them away from this dilapidated building where they've been living in limbo after deciding not to cross into the U.S. It's a good day. The couple stand with their luggage and two children. Paul and Fan Fan are optimistic about staying in Mexico getting a job, enrolling their kids in school, so they can have a better life and education. After we said goodbye, they traveled 400 miles south to make a home in the Mexican city of Torreon, where they had been promised help getting jobs and housing. But after they got there... Everything changed. Fan Fan tells me over WhatsApp messages. A friend convinced them to go north and cross the border. They were detained by border officials, stripped of their personal belongings, and put in a freezing cold cell.  — She says her family spent nine days in detention. Then, in the middle of the night, they were suddenly woken up. Their hands and feet were bound. They were flown back to Haiti. — She remembers hearing the sobbing on the plane. She cried,
2: too.
1: Some people even got on their knees, begging not to be deported, she says. Since arriving in Haiti, they've been living at her mom's house. They don't have clean drinking water or electricity. Her Chilean children are in a country completely foreign to them.
2: Aquí estoy. Bueno, inconsolable.
1: Her family was among the more than 10,000 Haitian nationals and children at the border in Del Rio, who, after a long journey from Brazil or Chile, were sent on flights back to Haiti.
3: That's about 40% of all Haitian nationals who were detained by Customs and Border Protection in Del Rio from September 2021 to the end of the year.
1: Thousands more were actually allowed
3: into the U.S. And there's also the Haitians that never even made it that far, like the thousands still in Mexico, where asylum claims from Haitians have skyrocketed.
1: Their odyssey in pursuit of a better life
3: continues. Texas Public Radio and the Houston Chronicle spent months reporting on this story. We went to the Forest of Colombia, Mexican migrant shelters.
1: We spoke with Haitians across the Americas, in person, through WhatsApp and video calls with folks in Haiti and Mexico.
3: The people who can best tell this story.
1: Who can help us understand why so many people took this perilous journey.
3: And how immigration policies in the Americas played such a pivotal, and in some cases, devastating role in their lives. I'm Joy Palacios with Texas Public Radio.
1: And I'm Elizabeth Troval
3: with the Houston Chronicle. This is Episode 5 of Line in the Land. Okay, so before we continue with what happened with Paul and Fanfan and the other Haitian families we've been following, we still haven't answered a couple of big questions. Like, why did all of these migrants end up in the small border town of Del Rio, Texas, of all places?
1: Del Rio has seen a huge uptick in border traffic since 2020.
3: To be clear, even the experts aren't sure why. But Jessica Bolter with the Migration Policy Institute has some ideas.
0: I think there has been this, this perception that it is um, one of the safer places to cross the border in terms of um, criminal organizations on the Mexican side. Boulder says
1: word about that crossing point spread like wildfire on social media and WhatsApp. That's how many of the migrants I spoke with knew to cross there.
0: It's also quite possible that there there were some some smuggling networks that had chosen that area and were directing people there.
3: And there's the other burning question. Why did some Haitians get expelled while others were led into the U.S.?
0: So that is
1: extremely murky. — Bulger says she thinks some were let in for humanitarian reasons, but
0: also… — There are also limits on detention capacity that made it more likely for migrants who couldn't be sent back to Mexico to be released into the U.S. — These
1: life-altering decisions may have been made because of simple logistics. Jean Sony Eugene was in Del Rio under that international bridge with his pregnant wife. They waited three days in triple digit temperatures with limited access to food and water. I caught up with him in Northwest Houston. He was living in a spacious two story brick home of a local volunteer. He said while under that bridge, he knew he was going to get in. He was right, by sheer luck. His family was among the thousands of Haitians who did gain entry to the U.S. Exactly how remains unclear. But we do know he and his family were quickly released and took a bus to Houston, where they've decided to stay for now. In the living room nearby, his wife, Naomi Se Moroni, held their crying infant daughter, who was born soon after they arrived in the U.S. He said he just wants a place where they can feel safe, where they can work and achieve their goals. He thinks in the U.S., they can do that. Still, his journey is far from over. His newborn is a U.S. citizen, but Eugin's options to stay in the country legally are far and few between. After learning Spanish and building a life in Chile, he's starting over again.
2: Al mejor lugar para esta...
1: But he says they've arrived at the best place to have a better life.
2: Para tener una mejor vida, una mejor vida, un mejor, una mejor oportunidad para vivir en paz.
3: And
1: live in peace. And then there's migrants like Jean, Jean Baptiste. Remember the cheery Haitian guy coming from Brazil who I met traveling through the Colombian
2: forest?
1: We last saw each other last year on that rugged hike when his trip through the Darien Gap had just begun. We caught up on a WhatsApp video call in April. He wears a green soccer jersey from Brazil and is grinning. He's been afraid of crossing to the U.S. for fear he could get sent back to Haiti, so he's been living in an apartment in Monterrey, Mexico, with his wife and son, who is enrolled in public school there and is working on his Spanish. Jean Baptiste says people there are pretty nice. They ask him tons of questions about who he is and where he's from. He's been working the night shift at a Home Depot nearby, shelving merchandise. Jean Baptiste has been there a few months, and even though he doesn't have any major complaints about life in Mexico, he admits, the U.S., where he has lots of extended family, is still where he wants to end up. Here, Mexico isn't the destination, he says. It's the backup plan. More when we come back. We're back. When I spoke with John Jean Jean-Baptiste in April, he told me he was waiting for Title 42 to be dropped. Then he might try to go to the U.S. But Title 42 wasn't ended. And yet, just a few weeks later, I got a WhatsApp message.
2: Oye, buenas tardes. ¿Cómo está? Yo no te escucho. ¿Dónde tú metido? ¿Cómo está la cosa? Bueno, nosotros estamos aquí en Inmigración de Arrenosa.
1: Jean Baptiste is in Reynosa, a Mexican border city next to McAllen, which is at the southern tip of Texas. Chica, no He says there's a ton of people there. Haitians, Guatemalans, Hondurans. He's been at a church shelter there, waiting around in pretty tough conditions, looking for a lawyer to help him get to the U.S. We stay in touch. Weeks later, he's still waiting.
3: He's among the tens of thousands of Haitians in Reynosa and other parts of Mexico.
1: In 2021, Mexico saw a nearly 800 percent increase in Haitians seeking asylum there. Close to 52,000 people, along with nearly 10,000 children of Haitians who are Chilean or Brazilian citizens. That's according to the country's refugee agency, Comar.
3: And it's likely that many of those tens of thousands still consider the U.S. to be their final destination.
1: Wages are much better in the U.S., there's a labor shortage, it's safer, more diverse.
3: There's another factor to consider, too. In Spanish, it's called desarraigo, which basically means uprootedness. There are words in Haitian Creole which mean the same thing.
2: En el alma, uno tiene una herida con el desarraigo.
1: Edson Luidor is a researcher in Bogotá. He says Haitian immigrants to Latin America deal with alienation that goes beyond simply a language or cultural barrier.
3: Our souls are injured from being uprooted, he says, because we're not indigenous to the Americas. We're from Africa. He himself is a Haitian immigrant in Colombia. Luidor says the U.S. offers something different for black migrants. He says
1: even though Haitians will have to deal with things like racism in the United States.
2: The
3: U.S. has Haitian and other Caribbean communities, so Haitians are more likely to feel like they belong.
1: We first caught up with Dashka in February. Dashka was the young woman with the radiant smile Stefania talked to in acuna, who was so optimistic about what life could be like in Mexico, like Domingo Paul and Catchley Fan Fan. She lived in Mexico for almost eight months with her son and partner. Through WhatsApp messages, she shared with Stefania how things were going.
4: Dashke was struggling. She wanted to be somewhere where there was more of a Haitian community. Somewhere where they sell more of the hair and beauty products that made her feel at home. It was clear from her messages that Dashka was not happy. I lost track of her for a couple of weeks, when suddenly, in early May, out of the blue, my phone rang. Uh, I made it, Dashka told me. I'm with my family now. She was living with family in Ohio. After spending three days in Reynosa, she was able to legally enter the U.S. on a tourist visa. Tendashka's cousin booked her, her son, and her partner plane tickets from Texas to Ohio. In early June, I made my own way to Ohio to see her and asked her about arriving in the U.S.
0: <laughs> no. O sea, happened que pasaba cuando
4: baja del avión... The airport, she explained, was a scary experience. Not only did she physically get lost, but she got lost in translation too. Everything was in English, which she doesn't speak. But luckily, Dashka heard a woman speaking Spanish who helped her find her way. Now, as we walk to the neighborhood store, She tells me how much she loves being surrounded by her family and how surprised she is at just how many Haitian products are sold in the
3: U.S.
4: She says she's been coming across a lot of familiar foods, fruits and vegetables that she hasn't even seen, let alone tasted for almost six years. It's been a month since she arrived in the U.S. and she really is trying to adapt. (laughs) But the truth is, she's really stressed out. She now feels the U.S. isn't for everybody and remembers that her cousin, who had lived in the U.S. for a year, has warned her just how harsh American life is. She has to see it to believe it, and now that she understands how hard it is going to be for her to settle into the country, she's losing sleep. American dream. It's not really the American dream, she says. No,
1: As for Fanfan and Paul, the couple that was expelled back to Haiti after crossing in November, they had tried to get official paperwork in Chile, but were rejected there, and then rejected again by the U.S., After months in Haiti, they finally got plane tickets to return to Chile, trying once again with their Chilean children in tow to make a home. There, their journey continues.
3: The stories we've told over the past five episodes, while they speak to the unique 10,000-mile journey of many Haitians, they also tell a story about the human impact of U.S. policies around the world and at the border.
1: One of those policies is Title 42, the pandemic policy that has nearly shut off access to asylum at the border.
3: It's been used by both the Trump and Biden administrations to quickly turn away, not just Haitians, but many nationalities, or send them to their home countries, allegedly to control the spread of COVID-19.
1: Whenever that policy is lifted, some claim it will be a return to open borders. Well, they're not doing much, and I think it's important when we talk about the border, we're talking about those that are coming in, and they're going to make a run on our border when Title
0: 42 expires. Like we've
3: others say, lifting Title 42 means asylum is back.
0: That means families coming across the border with young children. It means even single adults can cross the southern border and claim asylum. It means a return to the status quo of our asylum system
1: that existed pre-COVID. But even the status quo is still a broken asylum system
3: one with a backlog of nearly 2 million cases. So people with and without valid asylum claims wait for years for their day in court.
1: And in some courts, like those in Texas, it can be next to impossible to win a case, especially for Haitians and Central Americans, which is important context.
3: Because this summer is likely to break new records when it comes to people arriving at the U.S. border.
1: As people flee conditions in their own countries that have only deteriorated in recent years, like Venezuela.
0: A global pandemic threatening an already dire situation.
3: Or Ukraine. Russia's troops now occupy the
0: theater that was bombed as hundreds sheltered. Or Haiti. The sound of gunshots on the streets of Haiti's capital, Port-au-Prince. At least 20 people have been killed over the past week alone. Many of them. The people
1: leaving cross. the crude realities of poverty, violence, war, corruption, starvation, they'll be at our doorstep, looking to cross
3: the line in the land. And they'll be there, regardless of whether or not they get a warm welcome.
0: And that's it for this episode of The Times, essential news from the LA Times. Line in the Land is reported and produced by Elizabeth Trovel, Sofia Sanchez, Stefania Corpi, and Joey Palacios. Their editor is Elisa Barba. Cultural competency assessment by Miriam Chaussey. Sound design and music by Jacob Rosati. Audio mixing by Bennett Smith. And special thanks to Dan Katz, Lily Thomas, and Maria Reed. Line in the Land is a production of Texas Public Radio in collaboration with the Houston Chronicle. You can find and follow the show and binge all the episodes in season one on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Times is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasali, David Toledo, and Ashley Brown. Our editorial assistant is Madeline Amato. Our engineers are Mario Diaz, Mark Nieto, and Mike Kathleen. Our editor is Kinsey Morley. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera, Shani Hilton, and Hiba El-Urbani. And our theme music is by Andrew Ebert. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this matter. Gracias.